Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland, across the globe. You're listening to Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed, the People's Podcast. Here to rock the podcast world.
And welcome back. Hope you've been just dusted off your leg warmers for a Friday night. It's heartsonglive.co.uk and it's Fraser in the studio on the Hattrick and Ramsey. On this podcast show, we have a special guest, Richard Lucas and Christine Jordan. So, Christine, uh, tell us a little about you. Actually, I was quite enjoying the music there. That's <laughs> far more interesting than me, Fraser. <laughs> uh, I'm the, I have the privilege to be the recently elected MP for Edinburgh West at the general election. I'm a Liberal Democrat and I have been... Oh, since I started to vote, I think. Um, I got interested in politics at university. Um, and it's very much, I come from an ordinary working class background. I ha- had a very supportive family. Every opportunity in life that I could have wanted, I got, simply because they worked hard to get them for me. But I know that I was lucky. There are other people out there who were just as intelligent or as talented as me and didn't get to go to university or to do what they wanted to do with their life. And I think it's it's up to those of us who did have those opportunities to make sure that we help everybody else along the way. So tell us a bit, you know, you know obviously with the recent uh, snap election in June, uh-huh. I mean, obviously you weren't expe- nobody was expecting no. that, technically. We are all just getting plodding on, everything um, seemed okay. Mrs May had a rush of blood to the head and there we all were in the <laughs> yes. general election. Obviously she was sniffing something, but whatever no, she was no. so maybe, oh, maybe not, maybe not. No. <laughs> well, she was obviously too much uh, green tea, probably. But um, she had a rush of blood and she snapped during the election. So by that, uh, you were able to basically have the opportunity to stand. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? You when you heard that, you went, wow, okay. What did I do? Was this that just go for it or could you no, no, ready? No, I had, um, we had already started the selection process for the next general election. So, you were so I was, um, I was already um, thinking about the next general election. Didn't expect it when it arrived and we were busily campaigning for the council elections. Right. So we carried on with that and then immediately after the council elections we were ready for the we were ready for the general election. And I think um, I think it took most people by surprise, not least because Theresa May had been saying for months that there categorically was not going to be a general election. Um, but, you know, having said that, we were already campaigning um, and, you know, when a general election's called, you have to be ready to get out there and... Yeah. Yep, and if you've been doing... If you've been working, which we had been, then you are ready. If you rest on your laurels and you think you'll just wait till the next general election comes around, then you're not doing it properly. Was it Edinburgh West your area that you wanted, or was mm-hmm. it other? Well, area? I live in Edinburgh, so, yeah. so um, I made the decision to move here. Um, so yeah, it's it's where I live. So it's a natural thing to to do. Especially with the Alec, working with Alex as well, which helps to have a sort of double whammy. Hopefully, yeah. Well, I worked um, I'd worked with Alex before, um, yeah. uh, but not just Alex. All the councillors as well. We mm-hmm. have five councillors in Edinburgh West, um, or whose whose areas are in Edinburgh West. So we um, we have a very strong team now um, Alex was saying um, it's a little more than 18 months ago now there there were no in most of Edinburgh West there was no Lib Dem representation now we have five councillors and most of Edinburgh West if you live in you will have a councillor an MSP and an MP all of whom are Liberal Democrats so that tells you um, how much work we do and the fact that people 
people want our style of politics which is working for the people it's a privilege to work for the people you're the, you're a servant of the people and you should never forget that I have to say I mean for all I've lived them as well Edinburgh West has been a stronghold for mm-hmm. Lib Dems I think that's the good thing because what you I think what's, what you see on the ground is important Not it's not about the general kind of politics it's what you do on the ground for the people like you were saying well you work for the constituents yeah. the constituents are the boss and they're the people that you're out there working for every day yes you represent them at either Holyrood or Westminster Mm -hmm. or at the council whatever it is but you should never forget that you are there first and foremost to represent those people and to work for them that's what I've always liked I mean for me I've always liked what the work you guys do for and locally which is great I think it's what you it's been just you do hit hit the community and you do you're open, I think, in general, which is great. That's why I, I like about what you do in the area of Edinburgh West uh, when it comes to helping people and getting things done, basically. And especially recently with all the... I mean, I know we've got this up now. It's, a, it's an SNP Labour Council at the mm-hmm. moment. It's gone back mm-hmm. to sort of pretty much what it was, which mm-hmm. is, and they're kind of sort of hell-bent on destroying Edinburgh. Well, in a you sense. know, I don't agree with the SNP or Labour or the Tories, for that matter. Yeah. But the only thing I would say is that I don't believe that anybody who gets into politics from whatever party yeah. is hell-bent on destroying anything. Okay. Um, I think, you know, well, we disagree about the okay, best way well. to go about things, but, <laughs> you know, I genuinely well. think that people, mm. I hope, get into it for the best reasons. I disagree with their policies yeah. and then we have going about it, but, um, you know, I don't to, think yeah, that... Maybe it doesn't, they're not the best, they're, they're, they're poli- maybe the way they do things is not the best, I would say, but it doesn't seem to, they're not, I mean, they're not helping as a capital city of, for Scotland. No, I mean, that's a different argument. Yeah. Um, um, I don't want to stand on the councillor's toes, but um, yeah. I, I think there are certain things that, you know, we'd all like to see done differently in the city. But, you know, I would object to them telling me how I should be the MP, <laughs> so I'm not going to tell them how to be councillors. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But as a quick insight to Christine Richard, welcome. Thank you. So uh, what we're going to do is Richard's going to tell um, a little bit about his policies of the Scottish Family Party and we're going to obviously Christine's going to counteract what she does, disagrees with so uh, that's our sort of general structure for today's show so Richard um, tell us a bit about the Family Party the Scottish Family Party some of your policies and then uh, we can uh, see what Christine disagrees or disagrees with which could be interesting <laughs> yeah the, the Scottish po- uh, Family Party is newborn we've just been going for about three months and uh, we exist because of what we perceive to be as a void in the political system so there's no party representing what we could maybe describe as social conservatives. And I heard lots of people saying, myself included, that we really didn't feel we wanted to vote for any of the existing parties. None of them uh, were aligning with our views on some issues that we thought were really important, really core principles to us. And we thought the only way to do that was to start a new, par- uh, start a new party. And with the Scottish electoral system, a small party is in with a chance. If it was the Westminster system, you've got no chance of winning first past the post, apart from maybe 50 years down the line. But with the Scottish system, with the proportional representation element, there is a chance of getting MSPs elected. And that's what we're trying to do. So we're trying to, to put voices in the Scottish Parliament that will represent the views of a lot of people who are completely unrepresented by the existing parties. Now, you see, that's interesting because the Scottish um, Parliament, um, if you think back to 2003 particularly, that election, you had a vast array of parties. Mm-hmm. We called it the Rainbow Parliament. Yeah. Um, but that has disappeared to a large extent and it's been consolidated. And you really you only have five parties now um, before, and the Greens... Um, only had two before, but they've got you know they've got more now. But 
you had the Green Party, you had the Pensioners Party, you had, I think... The Socialists. The Socialists, yep. you had a Pink Party. You, it was called the Rainbow Party for a reason, you had Margot, who was an independent. Um, but politics has been consolidated very much. Um, and that may be because um, people are concerned about the economy. Um, the biggest concerns um, over the last three or four years... In fact, going back to about 2008, 2009, have been the economy um, and the country's future and what sort of country we're going to be. And I think that has tended to um, consolidate the support behind the parties that people think will be shaping the policy. Now, being a Liberal Democrat and having spent my entire adult life uh, promoting proportional representation. You're not going to hear me disagree with what you say because I do believe that um, we we need more voices. Um, democracy only works properly if you have a lot of voices. So the more voices we have in the Scottish Parliament, the better. But, you know, you know, it is a pity. But we did in 2003, before 2003, and right up to 2007, we had a much more varied Parliament than we've got now. The thing with those parties, if you look at the Scottish Socialists, for example, and the Greens, when I say the Scottish parties in general, there's a lot of crowding around the same part of the political spectrum. So then that's why, for example, the Scottish Socialists and the Greens, there'll be so much overlap, there isn't room for both of them. I would even say the Lib Dems, Labour and SNP are so similar. I mean, take out the Constitution, that they're so similar. Again, it's quite a crowded market. But, but I think there is a... Gender, think you can call but, us, I don't think you can call us <laughs> similar to the Conservatives, or no, no, for that no, matter, no, the Labour Party. I, 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 I would say in terms of... And I think the Labour Party and philosophy. the Conservatives would... Well, but, I think but, the Labour Party and the Conservatives as well would argue that they've got very different philosophies. They, 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 they have, to, but, but the void you, is there. The void that we're filling is definitely there. Social Conservatism What do you mean by Social Conservatism? So we're going to my first point as an illustration. Okay, if we look at childcare policy now, I think uh, if we think about uh, a family where one parent wants to devote themselves full time to the care of their young children, mm-hmm. okay, what policies does the Lib Dem do the Lib Dems have to support and enable a family to make that choice? We've got a lot of policies. It's one of the reasons I'm a Liberal Democrat because I was that parent. I devoted my daughter's young life to bringing up my daughter. Now, the Liberal Democrats, we are the ones who brought in things like shared parental leave. We are the ones who have brought in childcare. Well, 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 no, hang on. Hang on, let me finish. I thought you said you wanted, you looked after Hang on, hang on, hang on. (laughs) But what we have done and what we do is we provide people, we have policies which provide people with the choice. They can stay at home, like I did, and look after their child full-time if they want, or they can go back out to work. Because the important thing is not to say this way is right or that way is right, it's to give people the choice, and that's right. what we do. We've worked very hard at giving people the choice of what it is that they want to do. We don't prescribe anything, we don't say, you should do this, we say, here are policies to help people do that. Uh, right, I don't see how your policies help it at all. Because what you do say to people is if you want to have uh, one parent earning, one parent... Keep going, keep going. Star Wars? No. No, no. Got the music off. This is background, as you... It's to help create a bit of an no. atmosphere. Um, oh, well, you don't... With, um, I quite like Star Wars, but never I was, mind. I was Superman. Oh, was <laughs> it? Yeah, it's uh-huh. just create a bit of a mood Sorry. in the background, but never mind. With, um, 
with childcare like that is say to if one parent wants to be at home with the kids full time, one parent's earning, they get taxed. And their tax is used to subsidise twin income families because all, all of the emphasis, all, all of the government policy is towards providing. No, no, hang no, on, no. let me finish. All the government policy is towards providing uh, subsidised childcare for couples where they want someone else to look after the kids instead of one of the parents. And the whole, the whole, all the parties are united that that's the direction no. they want to go in. So, no. so moves to the other direction would be, for example, to. to go back to a transferable tax allowance. But instead of that, it's very much in the direction of providing subsidised childcare, longer hours at school, etc., etc. And I think that comes from a philosophy uh, which I think underpins all the parties um, as a feminist-type view that the only way men and women and can, be, can, wrong. Can, can be properly equal is if men and women approach careers in identical ways. No, that is, as a feminist, I find that downright offensive. No, let me finish. As a feminist, I chose to give up time to stay at home and bring up my child. As a feminist, I took the choice. The basic principle of feminism is to give women the choice. Mm -hmm. Now, what we did in government was we raised the tax allowance so you could earn more before you pay tax. That's not taxing people more to um, subsidise anything. That is allowing people to earn more, to put more back into the economy. And that is what we are doing. And what the basic premise of liberalism is allowing people the choice for the life that they want to live. Now, we don't say for a minute that women should go out and work or that women should stay at home. And to prescribe, to say that feminists or liberals say either of those two things is simply no. wrong. Okay. We don't do that. But, but we don't say, say it's right or but it's I didn't wrong. Say that. You said it was feminist think that both underlying. parents should go out, that that's the underlying uh, uh, that's not. Okay. The underlying okay. principle in everything we do is giving the individual the freedom of choice. Okay, so you say mm -hmm. you're saying you don't say that people should do one thing or another. I didn't say We that don't you... believe that people should do one thing or the okay. other. Either. Okay, so you can say that, but if you look at what your party's policies are and the policy of the other parties, it's all geared towards providing subsidised childcare to subsidise the twin income. No. Well, no, no, hang on, hang on. No. Now, 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 I'm also in favour of letting parents choose. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, the entirety of government policy and party policy, the existing parties, is towards subsidising twin income families who want someone else to look after their children instead of one of the parents. Now, it's all very well to say we're not, we're not telling people they should do one thing or another. You're not actually telling them in words, but you're communicating by your policy that that's the end so in view. Think, that's where you want to you encourage. you think people should be encouraged not to go out to work? Not at all. Again, that's not what I'm saying at well, all. Why, I, I'm saying we want to provide... Why are you telling me what I'm choice. saying? <laughs> why are you telling me what I'm okay, saying? You, 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 when you, I'm saying that's you, not what I'm you, saying. You may recall you, know you may recall that I said just a couple of minutes ago. I didn't say you were saying that in words, but I'm saying the message of the policies is that the state is here to help you if you want someone else to look after your children. And there's massive no. a massive amount of resources no. goes in to do that. No. Whereas the family who decides that a parent is going to look after the children, no. the state no, doesn't no, no. provide any no, resources no, 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 to help that. That is not true. The basis of the policy is about enabling people, enabling people to do what it is that they think is the right way to live their lives, enabling people to go out and work, enabling people to make choice, enabling mothers to stay at home if that is what they want to do. Okay, so how are they helped? Enable 
how are they helped? If one parent st- wants to stay at home with the kids, how? Tell me a policy that you well, have got. How, that, how, that how does them. one? How does one do that other than by saying? you can stay at home. It's not a case of discouraging people or only providing... For example, child benefit isn't only provided to people who go out and work. Child benefit is provided to no. people who stay so, at home. So, so your answer and to my... Point, and the whole point in our society as a liberal, the whole point is to enable people to do what it is they want to do. That's, and for yeah. years, for years, the emphasis was the other way around. The emphasis was on saying to women, you will stay at home, it's wrong for you to go out, and the only reason you're going out to work is because you know, there's a, you know, you need the money. And very often, yes, it was, the household needed the money, but very often women need the fulfilment of going out to work as well. And it doesn't make them a bad parent. Again, it makes them as good, sometimes you're, a better parent. You're, 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 you're arguing with, with a straw man who's, who's not here. I'm saying we support uh, families being able to make their own choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, therefore, there needs to be support for people making the decision to be a twin-income family, which there is a massive, massive amount of resources going into that. But there's nothing going into... Hang on, let me finish. But there's nothing, <laughs> virtually nothing going to parents where one wants to be a full-time parent. Now, your answer to my question of what policies are there, your answer was that we give them free choice. I mean, is there any country where they're not given free choice? I mean, but to answer the question, what policy does help parents to make that decision, it's a transferable tax allowance. Therefore, that's our policy. And that would support families who wish to choose for one parent to be full-time, therefore enabling choice within families. Well, I mean, we have a whole raft of policies which do exactly the allow families to look at this family credit, which we have in this country. We have a whole... The part of the problem with the system of benefits which supports families is it was far, far too complicated. You had to go to various different sources to find out exactly what you're entitled to. Now, I don't like the system of universal credit that we've got. It doesn't work. It's hugely flawed. But I do agree with that principle. But I don't think it should be the only thing. And what we believe in is in helping people to have the sort of lives that they want, that they are prepared to work for, or if they want to stay at home with their children. Now, we brought in a thing called the pupil premium um, in England and Wales, and we wanted to bring in here. And the pupil premium supported children at school whose parents needed more support than um, perhaps double-income families. So the system is there, and I think perhaps um, we need to stop looking at... um, how we sort of encourage people to make choices and just make the system there to enable them to make the choice that they want to make. That's exactly what I believe. And I think think, um, one of the the problems we've had in this country for a long time is that we we tend to judge. We tend to say, you know, you know, a good parent should do this, a bad parent should do that. Um, and we're too judgmental about things. Um, and we should perhaps look at it with a more open mind. There is not one type of way to be a family or to bring up children. Um, we all have our our ideals um, of how we would like to do it. But I don't think we should be judging or prescribing anybody if they choose a different way. Okay, I think you've, in some in some way you've sort of agree and you sort of a little bit of disagree in, in some in that, that topic there. So let's come up with one more thing different and see if you can counteract a little mm. out with the that, that that side of thing, Rich. 
Uh, yeah, I'll, let's stay on a, a sort of similar issue. Um, gender pay gap. Now, my, my view of that would be that uh, men and women in general tend to make different decisions in terms of the careers they're attracted to, the qualifications that they're drawn towards. They make different decisions with regard to work-life balance, uh, family, career, priorities, uh, um, just general drive towards career advancement as well. I think in general there are differences between men and women. And I think those differences uh, are shown, they're manifest in the, the so-called gender pay gap. So to my mind, when I look at the gender pay gap, I didn't see that as a problem that needs to be solved. I see it as, as a manifestation of the diversity between men and women. I would imagine you take a different view to that. I'm absolutely astonished. That A is not what the gender pay gap is. The gender pay gap is not about women doing different jobs from men or any kind of 1950s notion like that. The gender pay gap is about women doing the same job as men and getting paid less. That is the gender pay gap. Now, you know, call me a revolutionary, but I think if I do the same job as you, I work the same hours as you, I do exactly the same tasks as you, I should get the same money. And the opposite applies. If you do the same job as me, if you do the same tasks, if you work the same hours, you should get the same money. Everybody should, regardless of gender or any other um, box you want to put them in. If a person does a job, they should get the going rate for that job. That's what the gender pay gap is about. That's why there was a row about the BBC salaries when they came out. That is why we're looking at how people are paid in society. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in my career working in an organisation which was trying very hard and still is trying very hard to close that gender pay gap because you cannot have women sitting on one side of a desk doing the same job as a man sitting on the other side of a desk and, you know, say men and women are different, therefore they should get less money. That's, that is the problem and that is what we're addressing. We're not saying, you know, if one person does um, one job you know, it's the same as another job. We're seeing two people doing the same job should get the same amount of money. I mean, that's fascinating. I think your response to me there was absolutely scathing. And yet I think you completely misunderstand what the gender pay gap is. It's been the law for a long time that you cannot pay people differently for doing the same job. Because and yet it exists. Hang on, hang on, because they're male or female. The gender pay gap is to do with differences in average salaries across all full-time workers and in different sectors. Yeah. So I'm sorry to say that I think you misunderstood the issue there. I think the, why is the it, issue why is... Why is it people it, always say that someone has misunderstood the issue when because they get right upon it? Because your explanation of it was incorrect. That's women, right. women in the workplace, uh-huh. you can take it on average, you can take it on individual salaries, yes. whatever. Women in the workplace yes. should be paid the same as men. So that would but average it, it, out. Wait a minute, I'm not finished. Wait a minute. That would average out. The sa- that would average out the same. The average salary for women should be exactly the same as the average salary for no. men. Because no. women do not do so. different jobs from men. They do the same jobs, is so. my point. Therefore, the no. average salary should be the same. The basic salary, the average salary, the actual salary should be the same. Right, that is just point blank factually incorrect. Men and women do not do the same jobs. There are more men... <laughs> In the, 
Of course, sorry, oh, stupid on me. Everyone knows in the come infantry, on. everyone knows the infantry is 50-50 male and female. Everyone knows um, midwives are 50-50 male and female. Everyone knows engineers are 50-50. No, they're not. Men and women choose different careers. Oh, they my choose... goodness. Are you, oh, dis- my goodness. are you disagreeing with that? Yeah, and what I'm saying It's just is... staggering. I'm stunned. <laughs> what I'm saying is we live in a society where we are encouraging... Children, boys and girls, we're encouraging men and women to do the same things. We're encouraging girls to go into engineering. We're encouraging them to do that. You know, you get uh-huh. male nurses on ward, you know. Yes, I know. You get that. female doctors. Again, you're arguing with the straw man again. I didn't suggest otherwise. <laughs> well, you quoted midwives and things. And what I am saying is that we live in a society where we encourage men and women to think along the same lines in terms of careers. We want more we? women in engineering. We want more women in parliament. You know, there are not enough women in Parliament. This nonsense about men and women wanting to do, that's a hangover from a past age. That's a hangover from a past time. Men and women are perfectly entitled to do the same thing. Do you know they have female astronauts nowadays? We even have a female Prime Minister. Good grief. Surely that's a man's job. This is a staggering response. I mean, your response there was incredibly... And it's just way off the mark. You're well, arguing with things nothing like what I said. Do I realise that women are entitled to be engineers? I mean, what a ridiculous comment. Of I didn't course, actually say... Of I course said, I realised. Actually, what I said was we're encouraging women to be engineers. You said about entitled. I, was, I oh, said I, we're encouraging women to be uh, engineers. Yeah, you said about entitled to be something. Of course women... I said women are entitled to be whatever they want. Could you just let me finish what I'm saying? Okay. Of course... Women can choose to do anything they like. I mean, that's been the situation for, for, for decades. But for biological reasons, oh, men and women no. tend to choose different careers. Men and women are different. They have different priorities. They tend to have different interests. Now, you may try to claim that's to do with the patriarchal society, but I think that is untrue. If that's the case, how come they've been uniform through history, through cultures, through nations around the world now? And even in the countries, with the most liberal countries, like the Scandinavian countries, where there's every free choice to study what they're like, in those countries, the, the gender divisions in careers can be stronger than in other countries. It's still men and women, right. just in general, tend to be drawn to different types of work. What's the problem? Right, we're going to take a, <laughs> we're going to take a small break. Uh, we'll come back after this song, which I think is probably appropriate because if, if you're listening to the so far, if you've been listening to us so far, what they've been talking about, whether you agree or disagree, if you maybe you're throwing things against the wall because you don't want to smash <laughs> your phone, uh, maybe you're... <laughs> the fact <laughs> I'm throwing things against the wall is neither here nor there, so either way, it's, uh, maybe you're uh, getting fired up about listening to these two uh, um, battle it out, but uh, we'll be back after this appropriate song. So... Um Thank you. 
Welcome back to Hatchick and Ramsey on this podcast show on heartsonglive.co.uk. I don't know if you've enjoyed the first part of that. We, the boxing gloves are now back on, ready for round two. <laughs> no, excuse me, I, I don't like boxing. Can oh, we use another analogy? Uh, wrestling? <laughs> no, I don't no, like no, that. No, okay, maybe not. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, it's... The, um, the table tennis. Table, <laughs> table tennis. That's good. Ping pong. Okay. <laughs> Good fun. Okay, then ping pong balls are <laughs> flying back and forward. Leave that one there. But we'll get <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> euphemisms. Um, yeah, so we're back for round two, and um, I think the, if you've been fired up from the first round and maybe disagree or agree with things, we're back now. It's time for Richard to have a bit of uh, counteract, maybe revenge, maybe if you want to have it mm-hmm. put it that way. So Christine, <laughs> <laughs> so. Christine's going to say about a few of her policies, and uh, Rich is going to uh, see what he disagrees with. So, uh, f- 
Fire away. Well, I don't agree with revenge, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm a liberal. I believe in um, giving everybody the best opportunity they can. And that's what our policies are all about. They're all about building a society where everybody has equality of opportunity. Um you saw that when we were in government with the Conservatives. We were the ones who introduced the um, raised tax threshold so that you could keep more of the money that you earned and that benefited people on lower incomes, allowed them to keep more of, of the tax. Um, and um, the triple lock in pensions was our policy to ensure that pensioners got a decent rise, um, which was at least in line with inflation, hopefully more every year. Um, and we believe going forward that actually, you know, people want a good health service, they want good education, and they want jobs. Those three things are important to them. And if you want a good education and you want a good health service, then you have to pay for it. Um, and we believe that you should put a penny on income tax so that you can provide those services. We see at the moment in Scotland, they're struggling. Um, we know that 20% um, of the surgeries in the country are short of a GP, at least one GP. We know that 20% of our GPs are going to be retiring shortly um, and we have to replace them. Um, we are losing people because of Brexit. We are also losing people, important um, staff and personnel from the health service. Um, and we know that our education system is plummeting down the international league tables. And one in five children leaving school in Scotland is functionally illiterate. That is not good enough. And at the last Scottish election, our policy in Scotland was to use the new powers which the Scottish Parliament has to put a penny on income tax to raise £500 million to invest in our children's education and that is how you give children an opportunity in life you give them the best opportunities through the best education um, when I was at school that was I think that was what we got. We had some of the best education in the world and I would like to get back to that. I also think if you say to people, you know what, we'd like to put money on income tax for the NHS, they would agree with that. I talk to people every day who say to me, I wouldn't mind paying more in tax if it went on the NHS or it went in education. And that is where I think we have to go. Um, we also have radical policies like um, shared parental leave was our policy. We believe it's important that both parents get an opportunity to um, bond with their child when they're young, to have time with their child. It's not um, that old-fashioned idea that a mother's place is in the home and only a mother's place is in the home. A family is about both parents. Um, so that was one of our policies. And those are the things that I believe in, Fraser. Those are the things that I think build a better society. And it's about building a better society. The sort of people that... Um, I look to, um, in historic terms, I mean, obviously my political idols are, are people like Charles Kennedy. Um, but historically, if you look back to what um, the Quakers did, and you look back to people like Joseph Rowntree, um, and their idea of looking after um, the workforce, and looking after people, and creating a better society... Um, if you have a, a strong economy, then you can do those things. You can make a, a better life for people. And that is the only reason, I think, to have a better economy is so you can improve your society through having the wealth within the economy to do it. Not for a few people to get rich, but to make everybody's life better. 
Rich, did I counteract any of them? Uh, there's lots there that, that no, no one could possibly disagree with. Uh, the the, the equal, equal opportunity bit, I'm all for equality of opportunity. When it starts blending into wanting equality of outcome, that's maybe where I'd draw the line, but equality of, of opportunity, great. Now, ta- I'm not sure what you mean by equality of outcome being a bad thing. Uh, because I think if that's the goal, then I think you end up having to have unfair systems in order to create it. Because if there's equality of opportunity, different people will, will make um, will make different things out of that opportunity. If you try and level the outcomes from it, then that ends up as an unjust system. A just system is one that Nobody, gives... I didn't say anything about levelling the outcomes. No, I didn't say you did. I, I just said from my point of view, equality of opportunity, great, so long as it, it doesn't merge into... Want an equality of outcome. Now, tax was an interesting one. For, for most politicians, tax is a really big issue. That's sort of front and central in your policies. It's one of the things that you, you, you that. want to talk about. Now, now for us, um, we don't have a tax policy because we're trying to focus on the issues that we think are, are missing at Holyrood. And so we try to remain neutral on a lot of the mainstream uh, political issues. Is that not issues. just a cop-out? Remain neutral uh, no. so that people, you, you can't see anything that people can take issue with. We'll remain neutral on it. The thing about politics is you have to take responsibility. No, and that means that you have to say what you're going to do if you are in power or you're in a position to influence people. You can't just say, well, you know what, we don't have a policy in that. No, that's interesting because the, the parties generally um, take some issues and say this is an issue of conscience which means that our MPs or MSPs will vote on it according to their personal opinions and we don't make it a matter of party policy. Now, we, we reverse that. So, for example, abortion for the other parties might be a matter of personal conscience. For us, that's a matter of definite policy. Whereas some other issues, the other parties make matters of definite policy. We make those uh, matters of conscience. They're not what we're focused on. We're focusing on the, the neglected issues at Holyrood and we want everyone who shares our socially conservative views to be able to come on board and support us with their second vote. The first vote can be used for, for tax, um, Scottish nationalism or unionism, uh, etc. The one thing I would say about tax, is said a penny on income tax for education. And then the problems with the Scottish education system are not primarily due to lack of resources. It's to do with the philosophy and the ethos behind it. And I think that's what really needs sorted out. Because currently in the Scottish education system, the assumption is always that to improve education, you need to move further in a sort of progressive direction, away from more traditional teaching methods towards skills, group work, uh, away from mm. uh, sort of formal discipline, etc. Uh, it's, it's all in that direction. I think there's something where there's, there's an ideal balance. But in the Scottish educational world, from Education Scotland, for example, the assumption seems to be that you've just got to head ever further in the progressive direction. And I think that's why standards are falling in Scottish schools. No, actually, standards are falling in Scottish schools because we're not putting money into it. Standards are falling in Scottish schools because we're not supporting teachers. Standards are falling in Scottish schools because curriculum for excellence was a brilliant idea and you will not find many teachers who do not say that the principle behind it is exactly why they got into teaching but what they don't have is the resources and the backup that's where Scottish education is falling and to try and say is to do with progressive ideas or what you can have the least progressive ideas in the world you could go back to Victorian principles in schools but you know what see if you hadn't given Victorian teachers the resources you hadn't given them the pencils the jotters the desks 
They wouldn't have been able to teach. We wouldn't have had a good system. You can't, it doesn't matter what you, you feel the principles are. If you don't resource it, you can't teach. And frankly, uh, yes. I think our teaching profession has some of the finest principles in the world. Right, I think if we were at the stage where they didn't have books on the desk or a roof over the head or whatever. Now, of course, more money is obviously going to help, but I do think the more fundamental issue is the approach. Now, you said about going back to Victorian schools. Now, obviously, didn't recommend that. What I said was I think there should be a balance between these two basic understandings of education. Uh, but in Scotland, they're not seeking a balance. Uh, it's very much all in the same direction. Now, you say, you say the teaching profession... Two, could you, you tell me what these two principles are and, and which one it is that we're not balancing? Because, I, you, you know, that's a, that's a big notion that there are two okay. principles, but well, what uh, are they actually? OK, r- roughly speaking, there's a sort of progressive philosophy of education, there's a more traditional philosophy of education. Progressive would be skills, group work, subjective, <coughs> as opposed to knowledge, formality, objective testing. Um, See, but that's that's the thing. Curriculum for Excellence was all about getting that all together, about having a broad education. There is nothing wrong with what is taught in Scottish schools. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the standard of our teachers. What is wrong is that it's not properly resourced. And it's not to do with what you're labelling progressive ideas. Our educationalists know what they're talking about. Our children are in very good hands when they're in school, but what they have not got is a system which is resourced properly. And that is why teachers are leaving the profession, because it's not properly resourced. They're not leaving because they think it's too progressive. They're leaving because they're being inundated with forms. Now, I can see from a politician's point of view... No, that's from a parent's point of view. If you could let me finish. I can see from a politician's point of view, it's obviously desirable to be able to say to the thousands, tens of thousands of teachers in Scotland, you're doing a great job and you're doing everything in the best possible way. But but my priority is to see schools run in the way I think is going to be most effective. And you've you've got to to concede that on this issue, with these two fundamental approaches to education, everyone must have a view as to where the ideal balance is on that spectrum. Okay. Now, I think it is the case, indisputably, that in Scotland, it just heads ever more in the progressive direction. Whatever the problem is, Education Scotland's solution to it is to move ever more in the progressive direction. Now, now, obviously, the teachers have been through training institutions that um, inculcate this mindset into them. So so the whole Scottish education system... Inculcate this mindset into them? So the whole education system in Scotland is saturated with this view. When there are people who will stand outside it and will see that it's not ideal. But in general, the vast majority accept it because they haven't really known anything else. But I still think that do it's, not, think it's that, not a helpful approach. No, do not think that you're not giving people credit. You're not giving parents credit. You're not giving people credit. We all know that, you know, there is a problem at the moment that needs fixed. But basically, we also know that we have a lot of extremely good teachers who are leaving the profession because they're inundated with forms. And you know what? I take offence at you saying it's in my interest as a politician to say there are great teachers out there. I'll tell you why I say there are great teachers out there. I say there are great teachers out there because my daughter is currently at university um, and she had a good education. And I, you know, all my friends, people I work with every day, their kids are getting well taught in our schools. They are, you know, the teachers are doing their best with what that's, the, the that's, resources they have. That's not quite and what I'm I said. I'm really then. sorry, but I. 
cannot sit here and hear, you know, silly things like they're being inculcated with a way of thinking. These are people who go into teaching. It's a vocation. And they go into it because it's what they want to do. They want to teach kids. And I think we should give them credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I'm, I'm a teacher. And I th- well, I'm astonished that you think they've been inculcated with a way of thinking. Uh, I would say, I mean, I did my PGC, as it was then, quite a long time ago. And I would say, yes, I, I think it was very definitely inculcating uh, a philosophy of education. Absolutely. Which I've subsequently taken a step back and thought I'm not sure it quite captured the whole picture and quite struck the right balance in terms of edu- an educational approach within schools. Now, surely it's got to be valid in the political arena for people to say, I'm not sure the philosophy of education being promoted by the government is right on, on this spectrum. Now, now, what you're trying to claim is that in saying that, that's in some way offensive or unreasonable. If you're a politician, if you say it's the money, then that's okay. You, that's a sort of safe issue. But to actually get into the nitty gritty of saying this is what actually uh, needs to change in schools is a bit more controversial. You know what? And the that's thing what doesn't is, happen in Scotland. I think what I'm finding what I find strange is you're sitting here talking about politicians as if you're not one, but you've just talked about being part of a new political party. Yes, sir. If you're a part of a political party, you're a politician. Yes. So sir. you know. Are you saying that you're guilty of, of of what you're accusing me of? I mean, what's what is it actually that you're... Are you saying that you're not a politician? Right. That your political what, 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 what is not political? That it's is, not about tax? Do you want to... You know, are you standing apart from it? Do you want to be part of it? Do you want to help people? Because if you want to help people, if you want to get in there, if you want to get into politics and make a difference, then the sort of things you've got to do... I appreciate what you're saying about conscience issues because every party has conscience issues which people vote on according to their conscience. But if you really want to make a difference to people's lives, then you have to get in there and you have to look at how the money is spent because the bottom line, that is actually, pains me to admit it, but that is actually what makes a difference is how a government spends its money, how it spends its taxes, how it raises its taxes and how it invests that money in promoting and boosting the economy. Yeah, but there, see, you're so, we're talking about education. Education But you're so passionate passionate about the money but I'm, no, I'm, I'm passionate, passionate about the education, I'm, I'm passionate but it needs the, the money. The philosophy, I know it needs the money, but I'm passionate about the philosophy of education, which I think is flawed. And you think I'm not? Well, by the sounds of it, you just want to go back to the money every time. No, what I said was, if you want to make a difference, if you want the best education system in the world, if you want the best health, edu- the best health system in the world, if you want the best social care system in the world, the way you do that is through how you spend the money. Precisely. You're illustrating my point. No, the money is the way that you make sure that your philosophy, that your passion is effective, that you'd make a difference, because it is about making a difference in education and health. Mm. And you can't do that if you don't look at how the money is raised and how it is spent. Okay, quick breather. We will go, education we can talk about this uh, for a long time, (laughs) because (laughs) one of those subjects... Uh, if you are tuned in, you are tuned listening to the Hunter and Ramsey on this podcast show. We have Richard Lucas from the People, fa- the Scottish Family, family Party. My teeth in there. Have <laughs> <laughs> Christine Jordan from the Liberal Democrats MP for Edinburgh West in the studio. We have been having a debate. Uh, it's been we've had this, 
variety of things and uh, we, you're not listening to BBC Question Time we're better than that we're actually hitting a global <laughs> audience not just, we're, we're, we don't have a biased audience unfortunately so <laughs> so um, <clears throat> just give a quick 20 second break we'll be back just after this Join Aloha every weekday morning from 7am to 8am for a rise with Aloha on your number one online Christian radio station. Heartfelt Live Radio. Hashtag Arise with Aloha. Start your day right. So we're back. Uh, that was just a wee quick promo. You can listen to Aloha um, Monday to Friday between 7 to 8 in the morning. If you're up that early and want something to listen to, you can tune in to heartsonlive.co.uk. So I thought one of the main things that have been... And one of the topics have been in the news recently is the smacking ban that Scotland the SNP want to bring in. Uh, and since they are wanting to bring in, the rest of the UK are kind of now uh, wanting to do it as well. Um, Richard is against it and Christine is for it. So now, this is one thing be a bit more controversial. For the ban, not for the smacking. Oh, for the ban, not for the smoking. Right, okay. Yeah. So, we can, uh, so we, either way, we can discuss this, and uh, Rich, you can tell us the reason why you disagree with this, and then Christine can tell us why she's what, or then you can counteract either way, okay? Well, one way I can explain it is that I think I'm quite liberal on the matter. I'm quite happy to let people make up their own mind. Okay. And the parents within their own uh, family make their decisions about how to bring up their children. And I think smacking children as a form of discipline is is not unreasonable. Says so the Scottish Family Party. We don't recommend it. We're not for it in in a positive sense, but we are for the rights of parents to choose how to bring up their children, and we're against state interference in family life. So I think that the law is unnecessary, and it's going to criminalise uh, perfectly good parents. Where do you draw the line? I draw the line between. Uh, you can say that with any law. There's always a no, grey no, no, no. Specifically, where do you draw the line yeah, so with I'm, a parent smacking their yeah, child? Yeah, I'm going to approach that issue by approaching avoiding it. it. Well, it'll be hard to tell if you don't let me get to answering it. We could start more generally. Say, where's where's the line drawn between giving someone a pat on the head and a punch in the face? Now, it's a bit of a grey area there. Now, again, with giving a child a smack, and where does that go over into child abuse? The, the law at the moment um, attempts to clarify that, and I don't think there's reason to believe that there's a problem. I don't think there are cases where children are being abused, where they've been beaten and neglected and abused, and that's been missed because they're getting away with it because they're saying it was just, they just gave them a smack. I, I don't think, I, I, I don't I think, think it's clear enough. I don't think What's that's what on? the argument is. Um, I think, for example, I heard it put very well today um, by uh, someone on, on television who said, what do you do with a child who um, you smack and you then say, don't hit your little brother or your little sister? It's bad to hit them. And you hit them and you're bigger than them. And what about, they talked about seeing um, a child in a bus who was misbehaving and the parents smacked it and the child's reaction was to hit them back. Now, if you are going to teach children that violence is bad, you can't do that by disciplining them with violence. It's, it's either, it's not, it's you his, cannot, you can, historically, you can, you know, we could argue about this and say, you know, maybe we would have had a less violent society if we hadn't allowed any violence at all. I don't know. That's not where I'm coming from. Where I'm coming from is the logic of saying to your child, you can't hit a younger sibling, another child at school, as they grow up, you know, you can't hit another adult, you know, don't, yep, you know, don't think, slap your brother across I, the face, I, don't slap yep, your sister. But you are, smack them, you cannot... Yeah. 
children yeah, I think we've got the follow point. rules. Yeah, I think we've got the and point. children like order. Um, mm -hmm. I, you say you're a teacher, you know that children like order, they like discipline, but. If you're illogical about it, it doesn't make any sense to them. And if you tell a child yeah, that if they do something wrong, you're going to smack them, then, you know, you smack them. So they then hit somebody else. It's it's yep, basically yep. illogical. You are right, using yeah, violence point, to control people. You're losing, you, and that to me is just fundamentally wrong. Right, using the term violence, I think, is hysterical language. I mean, it's not. It's not violence. I mean, you can laughing isn't an argument. I think violence. So I so, so, no, hang on, hang on. You've just spoken for quite a long time, and I've just got through about a sentence. And you're interrupting already. So, if you wouldn't mind just letting me carry on. Now, if that's violence, then that makes me a violent parent. Now, if you're going to use that sort of hysterical language, now how should should children be left in the care of violent parents? And then most people would answer that question by saying no. So using violence is hysterical. Now, in terms of this inconsistency, I think children understand that their relationship with their parents is different than their relationship with their siblings or friends at school, for example, because there's lots of things that parents have the authority to do and control that they have over their lives that they don't have over their siblings and their friends. Uh, so I think children are perfectly capable of understanding the, the difference in those cases. The same as if you send a child to their room and say so you have to stay there. I mean, does that mean that they've got the... They'll, they'll then think they can do that to their sibling or do it to someone at school? Of course it doesn't. They realise that it's a different relationship. I think it's all about creating a mindset with children it's about creating people. And if you create people who grow up thinking that violence is the way um, in which you impose your will, that violence is the way that you get order, then that is the way they'll behave. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with finding other ways of... I'm not against disciplining um, per se, I have to say that. Um, if my daughter was here, she'd tell you I was probably quite a disciplinarian when she was younger. Um, but I, um, we we used other methods to, and we taught her the value of compromising and that if she wanted something, then she had to either work for it or, you know, um, come to an agreement in some other way that, you know, I'll get that if I do this, that rewards. You don't... You don't just resort to smacking. Now, I'm not saying for a minute that um, we should criminalise everybody. What I'm saying is that I do not agree with smacking. And I think that increasingly um, worldwide organisations like UNICEF and the United Nations are saying that we shouldn't do it. Yeah. And, you know, we should be A, listening to them and B, using the sort of knowledge that we have ourselves of our own logic that you don't teach children that violence is the way to control situations. Now, that, that's very interesting. You said we don't want to criminalise everyone. I assume by everyone you mean every parent that smacks their kids. And yet the smacking ban does precisely that. So I, I don't quite follow. I think, I think we have to be realistic about this and say that what we are, what those who want to outlaw smacking want to do is protect children they want to move away from an era and you know we have moved away from it a lot there was a time when it was acceptable to um smack children with leather straps in schools and smack them with canes and it didn't do anybody any good um to use fear 
um, to discipline children. We want to move away from that. And the more we can move away from that, uh, the better, not just for the children, but for future society. And this is just a brick in that wall, if you like. Piece in that jigsaw of improving society and moving us away from more violent times. Okay, if I could just return to my question. You said it wasn't about criminalising everyone, by which I I think you meant... That's not the motive. uh, That is not the motive. So you're saying it's not about criminalising parents who smack their kids, and yet this is a law that would criminalise parents who smack their kids. It's about discouraging people. It's about preventing it happening. Making something something illegal is not about discouraging people. It's about criminalising people. No, it's not. It's not. That is... When you make something illegal, you don't do it in order to make people criminals. You do it in order to discourage them from doing something. You don't... The purpose of the law should not be to make people criminals. It should be to be to protect people and discourage people from behaviour which um, is harmful to other people. That is the aim of the law. Now, criminalising people um, is not a motivation. As a liberal, I, I believe much more in reform than I do in um, imprisonment, for example. I believe that what you want to do is if someone breaks the law, then you give, you know, you give them every encouragement, every opportunity to be a different person and, you know, to play a role in society. So if you take that right back down to what we're talking about, smacking, my motivation and most people's motivation in banning smacking is not about criminalisation. It's about protecting a child and discouraging people from smacking. OK, just a point, we're probably about out of time. Just well, we're gonna do, we are going to run over very slightly, but not long, but this is, this is too good, it's good. So I'm enjoying this. I know time is sticking on, but what we'll do is you say your point and then we're going to play a quick song and we'll do one, one little bit each and then we'll wrap it up, OK? So okay just an interesting point. So if someone smacks their child on the on the wrist because they've been naughty, they should be prosecuted. But I assume you're all in favour of um, killing unborn children. No, the, the, that's that's a ridiculous argument. That is, you know, that is just a completely different situation, and the sort of, to be honest, reactionary argument that is a completely different issue and you know, really is is not, you know, doesn't do anybody credit to make that argument one in defence of another. That's just not, okay. it's not the situation at all. Right, what we'll do, this is, is good and I appreciate your thoughts. It's been great. We are running over. It's very good. But we're going to play one more song. We'll come back. We'll pick a po- little bit of a policy each. You can then quickly debate it. And then we will, you can say a little bit at the end about what your your beliefs are like they do in one of these political party debates on the telly. You see, you get yourself <laughs> 60 seconds at the end. So we'll do that, which is really good. So, uh, Pete, do you have been listening to Hattrick and Ramsey on this podcast show on heartsonlive.co.uk? We have, we've had, had been listening to Richard Lucas and Christine Jordan. Um, we'll be back just after, I think if you could turn back time, I'm sure a lot of uh, people <laughs> could turn back time. So uh, you probably guess what song we're going to play. So... We'll be back after this. I don't know why 
Welcome back. Uh, we're just going to do. We thought we decided just to wrap it up by after that song, is because uh, they do have to get away. So what we're going to do is we're going to do like when they have these political party debates on the telly, and we're going to give them about a minute or so just to say their bits and make them wrap it up because Christine's going to go because she's got an appointment tomorrow early doors tomorrow, and Rich as well. So, uh, so Rich, you want to uh, you want to go or yes, I have, right, you have just, about, just a few very quick. 
Uh, closing thought. I think it's been really interesting tonight. Some of the things I've said, Christine's responded with, with sort of shock, uh, uh, seemed quite horrified at some of the things I've said. I think that just illustrates the need for the Scottish Family Party. I think the things I've said are views that are held by a substantial proportion of the population. And at the moment, politicians are just not used to, to hearing them. These views are not expressed. If you, if you think about this debate, if, if I or a Scottish Family Party representative were to stand up in the Scottish Parliament to make some of these points, you can multiply the response by 100 as the MSPs are shocked and outraged that someone takes a different view on these things that they just take for granted. Now, I've done quite a few events with, with Lib Dems. I was saying the, the Lib Dems, you know, as, as Christine was saying, good people wanting to make the world a better place through politics, which is exactly what we're doing as well. And I hope that other politicians can concede that, that, we're, that that's what we're doing as well. We're decent people trying to make the world a better place uh, through, through politics. Everyone enters politics, or hopefully they enter politics, with a vision of how to make our society a better place. And that's certainly what we're, uh, what we're doing. So thanks to Christine. I've enjoyed our, uh, our exchange. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been fiery and interesting. So thanks very much. Sure. And uh, thanks to Fraser. Christine? Well, thank you. Um, I have to say, if I sounded shocked and outraged, I thought, well, before, it was because before, it was. I thought, since we didn't play... The music in the background, which I know Richard didn't like it, but well, <laughs> since you're doing, I know, I just especially for you, we're going to play this. You can, there we go. Just so you can now say your piece. <laughs> I, do you know I love that music? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, it's because I was. Now, that's not because these views are not held by political parties. That's not. Yeah, you know, there is a wide variety in politics. But one of the basic principles of being a liberal is that we accept other people's views and we don't impose ours on other people. Um, and you made a remark just before the last piece of music about killing unborn children. Quite an offensive remark, actually. And for me, the basic thing is, I do not think it is my right to tell other people how to make these decisions. Fortunately, that's a decision that I have never had to make myself, um, but I would never tell anybody else how to do it. And that's why I think these issues are issues of conscience and they're not issues of politics and they should not be politicised in that way. People should be allowed to make their own decisions. David Steele is another of, of my heroes and to me his private members, but his bill, the Abortion Act, um, epitomises that freedom of choice um, for women. And I think that is the sort of society, freedom of choice is basic in our society. Freedom to choose the career you want, whether you're male or female or transgender. The freedom to choose the sort of society that you want to live in. To invest in our education so everyone gets an opportunity and to invest in our health service so that we can look after people from cradle to grave in the way that the NHS was intended. And I hope that as we move forward through this Parliament and through the Scottish Parliament, that all of us, from whatever political party we're from, we work on attaining those goals. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm going to say thank you to Richard and Christine for coming in and uh, debating. It's some very interesting topics. Uh, whether you agreed or disagreed, uh, you had your viewpoints. Uh, we hope that we can maybe in the future down the line, uh, maybe get them in again. And uh, when things develop, and who knows? 
Um, also, if there's if you maybe you've been an MP or an MSP and you've been listening to this and you maybe you're interested in doing a debate with uh, any of them, please uh, give us a shout at heartsonglive.co.uk. Drop us an email. We'd love to have you on the studio. Uh, so thank you for being here. Um, sorry, thank you for listening. I mean, <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, thank, yeah, thank you for being. Well, we're all here. In we're all, we're all here. Yes, we're all here. We're all here. So I just want to say thank you and uh, good night. And until next week, we'll be back on. So take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.